0: This is Lance Kind. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Today, we have George Walters and Daryl Kulak. Go ahead and say
1: hi to the audience and tell them what you do. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm George Walters. I'm a studio engineer here at Leading Agile. I have been in software development for about 20 years now, working between Fortune 50 companies all the way to smaller product companies that are just getting out of their startup phase. My primary responsibilities are coming in and helping with product extraction of tools you know setting setting the stage for making your your applications easier to
2: change and faster to change over time hi I'm Daryl Kulak principal Studios director here at leading agile started as a as a developer years ago was project manager technical architect jumped into the agile world kind of the late 90s it really spoke to me for as an alternative to these crazy Gantt charts that I have been producing for all those years. I've written a couple books. My latest book is The Journey to Enterprise Agility that I co-wrote with Dr. Hong Lee. And I'm involved in sales and recruiting and uh, kind of uh, management of the studio here at Leading Agile.
0: Today's topic is, is your software getting better or worse? So tell me a little bit about Leading Agile Studios. Like, what kind of work do they do?
2: We're part of the Leading Agile organization, which, of course, is dedicated to agile transformation. And I think what happened over time is that the executives at Leading Agile looked at all the pieces that they are transforming. So, you know, organizational change, financial transformation, product transformation, business architecture... And there was one piece that was missing over those years, and that is the software itself. So it's very possible that you can get a team operating quickly and able to you know, move fast, and they're doing their sprints, and they have product owners, but their legacy software can actually hold them back. So Studios was created in order to help that part of agile transformation and be able to make the software as productive and as soft and as not that much of a millstone around the team's neck so that the whole picture is transformed.
0: Well, you know, if you're going to help other people with software, does your organization make good software?
2: That's always a good question. Yeah. So our organization uses the agile engineering practices. We test drive our software. We write the tests first before writing the code and then write enough code to make the test pass. Uh, we use continuous integration. We do pair programming. So there are a number of the practices that we use that move us towards uh, improving software as we go.
1: Yeah, and in addition, you know, not only do we just do pair programming, but where necessary or where appropriate, we will do what's called ensemble programming, where there's a whole bunch of developers in the room, not even just developers, but could be the project owners sitting in there with you, testers, everybody, kind of all grouped together. We work, just as a as a whole ensemble. Think about like an orchestra. One instrument just doesn't do it, or two instruments, but it's a whole group of people figuring out and and moving along with the music. So we don't
2: call it we don't call it mob programming anymore. We call it ensemble. We
1: programming. do not call it mob programming anymore. That has a slightly negative connotation. Um, <laughs> so it's been it's been repackaged as ensemble. I like it. It's classy.
0: You know. It sounds like you got the people part figured out, but how do you know that your software is getting better or worse over time?
1: Typically, there are you know everybody's heard of the static code analysis tools that are already in in the wild today. The thing with those is they give you a point in time. So what was the last time that the thing ran, uh, that the tool ran, and this is the way, this is what your code looks like, or this is what your software looks like. But that doesn't really tell you the story of your application and and your code base. We're building a tool that comes in and looks at your software over a long period of time to look at and see how the trends are progressing through the software. Are you getting better? Are you getting worse? And what it's telling you is it's telling you that, that full story. We're not just looking at... Well, did it snow today? We're looking at what's it done for the entire winter. It allows your team to adapt more appropriately to what is what has been going on instead of what. Is the current situation.
2: Lance, sometimes we get the questions. In fact, we've got this question actually from the CEO of a you know Fortune 500 company. And their question is, how good are we at software? You know. So being able to answer that question for that c level person, uh, because it's a big question for a lot of companies, like especially in the Midwest, you know that aren't in Silicon Valley, like I'm pretty sure you know Meta uh, feels like they're pretty good at software. But for companies that in some cases have to compete against these companies, like you know Silicon Valley comes into insurance industry, Silicon Valley comes into you know automotive. They start to eat away at the market share of those other companies in some cases. And so those C-level executives are asking, well, are we any good at software? And sometimes the answer is you're not that great because you've treated software like a commodity. You've treated it like something that you add on to your existing product and you need to get better. So the first question is, are we any good now? Which you need to uh, like kind of assess where, where do we stand today? And then you can ask the question like what George was saying. Then you can ask the question, are we improving? Are we better this week than we were last week? Are we better this year than we were last year?
0: Nice. All right. At a company, I just started in my mind here. The CTO, he said, turn on the static code analysis in um, SonarQube. And we've been running it for the past six months. So does your tool provide any additional value on top of that?
1: Uh, it does. The The big benefit with the tool that we're building is a tool like SonarCube is going to give you point in time. Hmm. Even though you've been running it over the last six months, it's not really telling you the story of the code. Where our tool comes in, we don't just analyze the code and say you have 500 errors and 300 warnings. But we actually come in and we answer a question currently the the main question we're answering is does your software quality get better over time so over the last x number of months you know x number of years whatever whatever range that we've put the code base through we look at the current analysis of where the code is or various aspects Uh, as well as the trends against those. Are we trending in a negative manner? So like, is cyclomatic complexity going up? Or are we going positive where cyclomatic complexity is coming down? And then we answer the question based on multiple factors that tells the user of our software, yes, this repository or this code base is getting better over time. Or no, this one's not. Or we're inconsistent. Because it's kind of going up and down. It's, it's, you know, riding the
2: wave, as I like to say. Yeah, oscillating. Yeah. And and so there's a couple things. So, you know, Lance, in your imaginary, you know, kind software uh, company, (laughs) you turn on sonar, and what's the first thing that happens? Okay, I have 5,226 warnings. Okay. So now what do I do? And the answer that most people have. that question is like turn off the (laughs) the warnings right (laughs) so it's too it's too overwhelming there's too many things that to to look at and you need to kind of narrow it down to more of like a dashboard view of what's happening with that with that code base Uh, the second thing is sonar by itself doesn't really give you the whole picture so it's it's good to look at what's happening in your alm tool so if you use Jira. Like, how often do you put things into production? How long are your sprints? You know, how many uh, check-ins are, are are people doing into the code base with Git or whatever? So there are a number of tools. You kind of have to pull those things together and then get a dashboard view of, of what's happening there.
0: Okay. Now, if I, if I buy your service today, do I have to wait? six months, 12 months, a year, two years to, before I get results?
1: No, that's actually one of the key benefits of our tool because we actually take the code base as it is now and we go backwards in time. So if you have a code base that's, uh, we'll say, three years old, we can look at the last year, we can look at the last, the entire three years of, of the life of that code base
0: Wow, that sounds like you guys got a time machine in there. That's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> we kind of
2: do. We like, we like to look backwards. <laughs> Those versions are stored there forever, so.
0: Ah. What Daryl and George are alluding to is that the tool works with the source code repository to get to the information it needs. So as long as your company is putting its code in a source code repository this tool will get to the valuable information it needs to do the assessment
2: who is this tool for so at this point the tool's for us we're offering this assessment as a service and so we're the ones who use the tool internally if we had a customer that came to us and said this um, which we have actually had that happen a couple times that came to us and said this tool's fantastic you know let me get my hands on it you know we can come to some arrangement but our focus right now is helping to assess where the code is at, where the code is going. And then, you know, then those executives can make some decisions to say, okay, I think we need some transformation in this particular area. This is code that's holding us back from transforming to something better. And it kind of identifies some hot spots. So it's not necessarily that overwhelming job of got 5 million lines of legacy code. You need to transform it all. No, you assess where your problems are first with this service that we offer with the tool that we use ourselves. And then you move on and you make some transformation to that code, which is where studios can help.
0: Okay. But now as a, you know, as people listening into the show, what problem would they be having in the organization that would cause them to think, Oh, I should, I should pick up the phone
2: and call studios. Like like I said, like the studios was invented to be a support mechanism for agile transformations. If an organization is doing agile transformation with leading agile or with somebody else, then you can talk to us and we can help assess whether your code needs to be part of that transformation and which parts of your code are holding you back. Otherwise, if a company just had questions about a particular legacy application, let's say, they could come to us and say, we need help with this particular application, help us assess where we are now, assess the trend, and then help us create a plan to do something about it.
0: Are there software problems, though, that, that, that might be coming up in an organization that would cause people to think about
2: this tool or this service? Sure. So we have you know, we have some clients that have regression problems so that they introduce a new feature into production and they cause problems in the other parts of the code and they can't kind of uh, track back to, to where that other problem is happening. Just the defect counts that you get sometimes with legacy applications that have been patched and patched over the course of years, that's a candidate for doing this analysis, this assessment, and then uh, you know making a fix to that legacy application. And then it's how much time it takes to get something into production. So if that time is something you're tracking and that time is getting longer and longer, which it does because of the patches and the kind of increased complexity of the code, then this is probably a place to try to try to assess your code and then to try to figure out how to fix it.
0: You know, I'm, I'm hearing there's a tool and maybe there's some kind of
1: service. Tell me, how does this work? For the service and the tool that we have... We actually use the data within your repository to answer questions about how the quality and how that quality changes over time. The tool itself is used to automate the collection of all the data that we're going to use to answer the question around the quality of your code. Within the tool itself, we're using well-respected standards for data code analysis and certain standards that, that we have learned over our time doing software development. We then use a day-to-day kind of questioning around how things are working within the code, how the code is changing over time, which could lead into knowing where the, where the pain points of the application actually lie. Sometimes we see where people think the problem is, is actually not really where the problem ends up being based on the analysis from the tool itself.
0: So everyone has their monolithic legacy code application, and they'll say, of course, I already know that's the problem. But George, I think you're telling us that the tool can be more refined than that and pinpoint at the problem within the monolith. So we can spend our effort in a very intentional way.
1: It definitely does. It actually helps by collecting all the data that we do. It actually helps figure out things like, what are the most changed files in your application? How are those files stacking up from the metrics that we're collecting against the rest of the code base? So if you have a file that gets changed with every feature, for instance, and its complexity or the number of lines per method is way outside the norm, this tool will actually give information around that and tell you, hey, this is the hotspot you want to be paying attention to. Conversely, it'll tell you where the highest complexity or the highest problem points are within your code. And you as a team get to make that determination of, well, yeah, this is a really complex class or this is a really complex set of objects, but we don't touch it very often. So it may not be beneficial for us to go in and refactor that. It's okay that this is a little more complex than we'd like it for now. There are there are more important things to attack, which is something that other static analysis tools again that give you a point in time view
2: don't necessarily tell that story. Yeah, that's for sure. So Lance it's it's important to remember this is a tool, this is as part of a service. So there it's it's wrapped up in interviews that we do with the teams I think it's good to look at this as there's an objective view that the tool can provide for us. This is really what's happening inside the code base. And then there's a subjective aspect of this that this is the environment that the team is working in. So if you know if Team A is working with Team B and Team B is a bunch of jerks, you know the tool, the, the tool isn't going to tell you that. We have to we have to figure this out with the interviews that we do with the teams and then start to understand maybe the politics of the situation, the way that things are organized. This team you know, reports up to a different VP than everybody else. So the, all of those things play into what are you going to fix and what's the priority of uh, the fixes?
0: Oh, maybe the jerk detection and the political modules will come in later feature as later features. Is that possible? Yeah. That's artificial
2: intelligence. Yeah, that's right. Version two.
0: All right. Now, when I think about an organization, what is a C-level or at least a dev manager somewhere in that range? What are they hearing that makes them realize, huh, maybe I need to look into this service?
1: I think a lot of, a lot of the, and you know, this is just some, but, uh, Anytime that they're noticing that a product is taking a lot longer to deliver than what they believe it should take, or even what they would like it to take, if their team is spending a ton of time correcting defects and regressions after code has gone or after uh, release has gone to production, because as we all know, the the cost to correct a defect after it's gone into production is drastically higher than catching it up front. When your team, you know, something as simple as your team is sitting there saying, we really need to just throw this entire application away and rewrite it. That's another big indicator that a C-level or manager level, that they would want to come in and have this service performed.
2: So Lance, like, I think people it's it's okay for people to think of leading agile studios as a software studio. Any other consulting firm out there, they have they use agile practices, they they write software for clients. I mean, that we we have that in common. The big difference is a lot of agile software consulting firms will say give us your newest coolest stuff and we will do agile with with those applications, so some IoT applications, some mobile app, um, that's where we'll start. And we kind of take the opposite approach. We say it's probably your legacy applications that are holding you back. And it's probably those places in those legacy applications where the most value is, you know, the most value potential is really there. That if this legacy application got a lot better, you would. Put more value into production, and that's kind of like the, probably where the core of your business is. That's a differentiator between leading agile studios and a lot of other kind of agile software development consulting firms.
0: All right. You know, if the tool just tells me I have to rewrite my software anyhow, is that kind of how this works, or
1: are there options? There are always options. The tool is just going to give you an indicator of which way your code is trending. Is the code getting worse? It's not going to answer the why is it getting worse necessarily, because there could be outside factors that are at play with this pressure to get releases out. We hear it all the time. Hey, we have this, this brand new thing and you have three weeks to put it into production. Yeah. Well, at that point you have development teams effectively scrambling to get, get, get it in as quickly as they can meet their deadline, which is, Something the tool itself can't fix, right? That's a process thing that would need to be addressed, which through the interviewing process that Daryl mentioned earlier, can be learned and addressed itself. But the tool is just going to give you an indication of which way is your software going? Are you getting better, even though it's not perfect? Is it perfect? Or are we starting to get worse as time goes on? and then it gives you indicators and suggestions through these are the most changed files the the files that that have the like the worst complexity the worst method line counts the amount of fan in or fan out how many how many classes does this rely on and how many classes rely on me all of that kind of information allows someone to very quickly investigate and determine which way or what things to focus on to help make the application easier to change,
2: to help make the application features faster to roll out. Yeah, yep. that's that's very well put, George. So Lance, you said the tool might tell you to indicate towards rewriting an application. But that's risky. You know, that's that is a big step to say we've got this legacy application. Our business depends on it. And we're going to rewrite it from scratch, you know, in some new platform or new technology. That's all fine. It's probably going to run fast, and it's probably going to look nice in the new technology stack. But there's all kinds of business rules and all kinds of intelligence built into that legacy application. You better get it right when you do that rewrite. And so we kind of look at, you know, the the just a from scratch rewrite as a, a quite a risky. Endeavor for that company to take on. It might be less risky to just use the campground rule when people are going in and and fixing defects, leave the campground a little bit better than how you found it. Or it might be that we do our, our product extract service, which is making the software in alignment with how your business really works. All of those things are less than a rewrite, less risky but also may give you a lot of the benefit that a rewrite would have.
1: Any future direction for this tool? We're constantly evolving this tool. We're making it as extensible as possible so we can add in new programming languages over time. There's a, a number of languages that we've, we've seen in the wild so far that are pretty prevalent, but as needs arise, we can very quickly adapt this tool, adding in effectively any language that does have a static analysis analyzer. As the market demands, we'll add support for those languages, such as the SAP programming language, acronymed ABAP. That's one that we're starting to see a lot more of within our clients. The world's our oyster on this one. As long as there's a static analysis tool and there's a need for it, the tool we have today is very extensible to use those industry standard tools to, to gather our data and help us analyze the trends and, and where your where your product is going.
0: Now that we got everyone excited about this service, what should people do who if they're interested to take it to the next step?
2: They can really go to the Leading Agile website, check out our company. If we put contact information here for us, they can use me as a contact email or give me a call or on Twitter. So they can talk to us in a number of ways. And it's at this point it's a service. So this this point it's something that we would use to, to help a company that we're consulting with. At some point, you know, it may be that we offer it as a tool that we sell, but that's not the point we're at right now.
1: In addition, if they feel more comfortable on the Leading Agile website, if they go under the Contact Us section, in the Contact Us, just mention Studios Code Analysis, and that information will get over to our group. So we can reply and and get the conversation started.
0: Nice. Hey, thank you, Daryl and George, for sharing your knowledge to the to the leading Agile Sound Notes listening audience. Yeah,
1: thank you very much
0: for having us. Thanks, Let's